Good morning and welcome again. Um, This is the second week of Advent and our theme uh, for this week is the idea of preparation. (laughs) Um, We need to prepare our hearts and the Lord prepares the way for his coming Advent. Um, I, I hear that there are some kids here in the service. Can I see your hands if you are a kid? Yes, Sam, I see that hand. Um, All right. I am so glad that you are here with us. Um, We are excited to have you. And if you follow along, uh, we will have some some picture prompts for you to draw in your your doodle guide. Um, And if you do a good job with that and your parents help you, you can bring that doodle guide to the cafe, and you'll get a special prize at the end of the service. Um, So thank you for being with us. Uh, In the spring, it's hard to imagine the spring right now, right? But in the spring, when the snow finally melts away, uh, it reveals these empty garden beds um, and, and these barren trees that were once covered with snow. And at this time, we need to start to plan and make preparations for these garden beds. Uh, Perhaps uh, we've allowed leaves to just kind of lay dormant in the garden beds, uh, protecting them over the winter. We need to get those leaves out of the way um, and reveal the the rich soil underneath it. Um, Perhaps there's some remnants of annuals from last year that are still there. We need to dig those up and remove them. Um, And perhaps there's some some plants there that are just not looking well, um, and we need to, to trim out the, the branches um, or the leaves that aren't looking well. Um, for the longest time in our, uh, at our house, we have, we have a front garden bed, and it, we just couldn't get anything to grow there. Um, it was very frustrating. We would grow things, like we would plant something, and it would grow elsewhere, but right in the front yard, <laughs> where everyone can see, it, it just wouldn't grow. And we tried different plants, we tried uh, different uh, types of flowers, and year after year, nothing would grow. Eventually, we, what we had to do is we had to dig out the entire bed with the soil, and then we had to put in new soil. And you know what? Even then, things didn't grow. We had to let that soil kind of um, lay for a year or two, and then finally, I think it was just last year, right? Last year, we finally were able to see the beauty um, of the flowers in our front garden. After almost 10 years of being in our house, we had to prepare many, many years in order to finally see the beauty um, in our garden bed. And and this, this imagery of, of preparing a garden bed is the exact imagery that the Lord gives us in the book of Isaiah, chapters 10 and 11. So if you could please uh, stand and please turn your ear attentively to the book that we love and listen as we hear from God himself. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 33 through 11, 5. 
Behold, the Lord of God, the Lord God of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, nor decide, despite, nor decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> so what the Lord pictures here for us in, in uh, the book of Isaiah is this time of preparation. Uh, Preparation that will eventually lead to greater fruitfulness. And so as we walk through this passage, we'll look at three main things. First, we need to look at the fact that in order to prepare for fruitfulness, we need to clear the fields. The fields need to be cleared. And then we'll look at how from the stump of Jesse, they'll just grow forth this this shoot, this little sprout. And... Finally, we'll look at how this sprout will grow up into a strong branch that will grow and bear much fruit. So first, the fields need to be cleared. The first thing we see is that the Lord walks into his garden, into his uh, field, so to speak, and it's as if he walks out there and he just sees his garden um, with considerable overgrowth. Um, weeds are there, and there's some sickness in some of the trees that he sees. And so he takes his garden tools, and he begins to clear the field. Uh, We can see this in um, verses 33 and 34, where it says, Behold, the Lord of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. Kids, you guys know that nursery rhyme? Um, where there's a child and they're in the treetops. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby, cradle, and all. It's a very terrifying. I don't know why we sing this to our kids. Why do we sing this? But boughs, we, we might not be familiar with the term boughs. Uh, it just basically means that branch. There's a little branch and that branch is going to break and this child will tumble down to the ground. Um, very, very terrifying. So when, when it says the Lord will lop the boughs with terrifying power, he's saying he's going to cut off the top of the tree chops. There's this overgrowth, and he needs to just clear it out. Um, and then it says the great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. Um, And basically what we see is that the Lord, the God of hosts, he comes with his axe in hand, and he just starts chopping away at some of this overgrowth. There's huge thickets, and he just needs to clear out the way. 
um, uh, in this field that he wants to see grow and be fruitful. Um, so what do these trees represent? We can see this again in verse 33. It says, The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. Um, so what this means is that those trees that God is looking to, to cut down are the ones who are prideful, the ones who are arrogant, and they will be brought low and cut off from power. And so these thickets of pride, of arrogance, must be cut out in order for the tree to be fruitful, in order for this field to be fruitful. The overgrowth must be cut down. So kids, have you ever cut down a tree? Have any of you ever cut down a tree? You know, you just get out your, your little chainsaw that you got from your dad's garage and you just... Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, um, well, Pastor Sam has, has cut down a tree. He, he did that for a, a, a number of us uh, at, at, the, at the Wagners. He did that very well, and so did Pastor Darren. Um, and, and so there is a tradition of pastors cutting down trees here. Um, and maybe, maybe you have um, done this with your family, or maybe you will do it with your family soon. Um, I remember growing up, we would always go out to a farm, and we would go through this farm, and we would find the perfect tree. And then we would cut it down, and then we would bring it home, and we would bring this dead, cut-down tree into our house, and then we would decorate it, and it would be our Christmas tree. So maybe you have a tradition of doing that in your family, and that's what I want you to guys to do for your first doodle prompt I want you to draw a picture of you and your family going out and cutting down a Christmas tree. So go ahead and, and do that. <clears throat> so these, these um, boughs and thickets are based on the immediate context um, from chapter 10 of Isaiah. Um, and most likely what it represents is the people of Assyria and the people of Israel. Um, earlier on in chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. Against a godless nation I send him, and against the people of my wrath I command him to take spoil and seize plunder and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. And what what God is picturing is that Assyria is actually the axe in God's hand, and he's using it to judge the godless nations. But then in verse 9, he says, For he, the king of Assyria, says, As my hand has stretched out to the kingdom of idols, whose carved images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her idols as I have done to Samaria and her images? And so you can kind of see the pride filling up in the king of Assyria's heart. And in verse 12, it says this. When the Lord has finished all his work that he has done on Mount Zion and Jerusalem. So the Lord is actually coming in using the Assyrian king to kind of bring judgment on the people of Israel. After this is done, the Lord says, 
He will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he, that is the king of Assyria, says, by the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I, I have understanding. And the Lord responds to the arrogant speech of the king of Assyria by saying this, shall the axe boast over, over him who hews it? Or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it? The glory of the king of Assyria's forest and his fruitful land, the Lord will destroy. And it will be as when a sick man wastes away. The remnant of the trees of, of his forest will be so few that a child can write them down. So Assyria has been used by God to bring judgment to the nations, including the nation of Israel. But in his arrogance, the one who was the axe, the one who was the tool in God's hands, now feels the axe coming against him and lopping off the boughs, clearing the way in the garden in his field. The Lord is cutting out all the disease in his field, the arrogant pride, and he has got to get rid of it in order for the trees to be fruitful. If you know anything about gardening, if if you have a diseased tree, it can quickly spread to other things in your garden. And so you need to cut it out as soon as you see it so that that particular plant can be fruitful and so that the rest of your plants in your garden and be fruitful as well. And so God takes his axe and he starts to cut out this disease. He lays the axe to the king of Assyria and he lays the axe even to the dynasty of David. He cut off those who were rotten from the throne of David. There was a disease that started to creep into the king of Judah and Israel's heart where they led the people away from the worship of God. And he he had to cut out that disease. And so before we move on, I would just ask you this. How about you? Is there a disease of pride or arrogance kind of creeping up in your own heart? Um, God is in the business of clearing out pride and arrogance. And so there's two ways that he can do that in the heart of his people. He can do it through humiliation. If you need to be humiliated in your pride and arrogance, or he can do it by you humbling yourself before the Lord. And I would just suggest, save yourself some trouble and, and humble yourself before God. Humble yourself and ask him, I want you to cut out the pride in my life. Um, as it, it is written, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if you humble yourself, you will be met with God's grace. But if you continue in arrogance, you're going to feel the sharp acts against the pride in your life. So we've seen that God has taken his field and he needs to clear out, 
clear out the thickets, clear out all the overgrowth, and clear out the disease in his garden. Um, And second, we see that from the stump of Jesse, there's going to grow forth this this little sprout, this shoot. Um, In in chapter 11, verse 1, says very simply, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And so, kids, what I want you to do is I want you, for your second drawing, to draw a little branch growing up from a tree stump. And, and kids, I have a, question, a quick question for you before you get too involved in that, in that drawing, um, and that's, that's this. Who knows who Jesse is? Yes, young man over there. He is the father of David. Very good. Sunday school teachers, you're amazing. Thank you. Um, and yes, he is the fa- Jesse is the father of David, and David is the king. And so the stump of Jesse is referring to the Davidic kingdom. Um, unfortunately, most of the kings of Judah and Israel did not seek the Lord, nor did they lead their people in the worship of the Lord. Rather, they went off and worshipped false gods and practiced some horrible, horrible things like child sacrifice. And it was for this reason that the Lord had to cut all the way down to the stump. The disease in the Davidic kingdom was so deep, so deep in this tree that he had to cut all the way down to the bottom of the stump. God is, God is serious about getting rid of the disease of pride and arrogance and false worship. And sometimes he has to take drastic measures. And that's what he did here. He had to take a drastic measure and cut the, cut the tree down to the stump. <clears throat> but this, this raises a question. If the stump is the fallen dynasty of David, what happens to the Davidic king? What happened to the promises of God? God made a promise to David in in 2 Samuel 7 when he says to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne forever. What happens to God's promises? And this is important because God's faithfulness is on the line. Does God really keep his promises? Sometimes... God keeps his promises in the ways we least expect. And sometimes he answers prayers in the the way we least expect. But he does keep his promises, and he does answer prayers. And so when we go to this tree that's been cut down to the stump, and we bend down real close, we can kind of see, we can see from the stump a little sprout coming, a little branch who is a descendant from Jesse and David. And God does indeed fulfill his promise in a very strange way through a virgin, 
who gives birth to an infant? This, this infant who's completely God, 100% holy God, and yet a little tiny baby. A small little sprout, a tiny little branch. And that, friends, is how God is going to keep his promise. Just a little tiny sprout from this stump. Have you ever wondered why there's so many genealogies in the Bible? I know I have, especially when I'm doing a Bible reading program and I get to those genealogies and I can't even pronounce their names, uh, let alone know who most of them are. But... But as we think about this idea of God keeping his promise, the genealogies suddenly become very, very important. Um, The reason why we have these genealogies is so that God can show that he has been shaping and directing history, making promises, and then keeping those promises. And the very first words of the New Testament tell us why this is so important. In Matthew chapter 1, Verse 1, it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is the promised sprout from Jesse's stump. He's David's son. He is the king of kings. He is the prince of peace. He is the promised seed, even from Abraham. God keeps his promises, and he shows us that he keeps them, even in those things that we think, why is this here in the Bible? It's important. It's important. So we've seen that God clears the field. He's got to get rid of all the disease. He's got to clear the thickets, all the overgrowth, so that he can have a beautiful garden. And he had to cut down this tree down to the stump because of the disease in the tree, And we've seen that from this stump is coming this little sprout, this little baby, this little tiny infant in the arms of a virgin. And now we want to look at how this branch is going to bear fruit. Um, In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, the last section of that says, And a branch will grow from Jesse's roots, and it shall bear fruit. Kids, do you remember why, I just said it, so hopefully you do, why did the tree of Jesse need to be cut down? You went already. Yes, you. Yes, the kings that were descendant from David, were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so the tree was diseased. And a diseased tree will not bear fruit. And so God had to clear it out. He got to get rid of that disease so that the tree can bear fruit. And it says that the promised sprout from this stump will grow into a strong branch. It'll grow into a tree on top of a tree. And it will bear fruit delectable, delicious fruit. So what is this fruit? What is the fruit that this tree is going to bear? 
Well, we see this in the coming passage, um, or in the, in the following verses, in verses two and three. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. The fruit that this, this stump, this, this sprout is going to bear is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The strong branch will bear the fruit of God's Spirit. Humility, love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, faithfulness, righteousness, wisdom, self-control, the fear of the Lord, equity, justice, mercy, all of these things coming forth from the Spirit of God who is in him. So the tree had to be cut down to the stump so that this sprout could grow and become a stronger tree than the dynasty of David could ever even have dreamed. So kids, I do have a couple more questions for you. I have a couple more questions. Where do trees come from? Yes. Yes, you. From... From seeds. Guys are so smart. Yes, trees come from seeds in the fruit of the tree. And kids, so one more question. What happens, do you think, if a tree bears a lot of fruit? Yes. Say it a little bit louder. I'm coming over here. What did you say? Oh, man, I got to get even closer. People eat the fruit. Okay, yes. You get to enjoy the fruit. Very good. Um, what if there's so much fruit that you can't even have enough people to enjoy it? What do you think might happen? Yes. Yes, you right there. It makes more fruit. You're so smart. <laughs> Absolutely. If a, bear, if a tree bears a lot of fruit, where's the seed? It's in the fruit of the tree. And so the fruit lands on the ground, it digs into the soil, and it bears more trees, which bear more fruit. And so many trees will grow and bear fruit. And that's exactly what God has in store and has in plan. He wanted to clear the field, the entire field, so that from this little stump of Jesse could grow the sprout into a strong branch that would bear fruit, that would then land on the ground and would bear more fruit. Listen to, to how Jeremiah describes this coming branch. And it's, it's actually uh, in, in the... Uh, uh, worship guide for you as well. It's Jeremiah 33, uh, 14 and following. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at the time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it is called, the Lord is our righteousness. 
For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings and to burn grain offerings and to make sacrifices forever. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with night so that the night and the day will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and my covenant with the Levitical priests to be my ministers. What God's saying is, if you can make night and day just disappear, then you can cut off this promise that I made to David. It's impossible. It can't be done. And, and then he goes on and says, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who minister to me. You can see this branch is growing fruit that will land into the ground and it will bear more fruit so much that you can't even count it. If you can count the sand on the seashore, that is how you will be able to count the fruit that this branch will bear. And if, if this sounds somewhat familiar, it's because it is. In Revelation chapter 5, the Lord says this in the book, and they sang a new song, Worthy are you, O Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. So God's promise is that David will have people to sit on the throne, and the Levitical priests will have someone to minister before the Lord. And in Christ, friends, you, you become heirs with Christ on the throne of David, and you become priests to offer sacrifices to the Lord. You are the fulfillment of this passage. You are the fulfillment of the passage. The spirit who came on Jesus in full measure and anointed him as king and as priest, he has deposited this same spirit into the, into the field so that it will grow up into trees that will bear fruit. You, Ironworks Church, are those trees that will bear fruit multiplying as much as the sands of the sea. So how does this, how do we bear fruit? How can we do this? Um, how can we make sure that we don't have that disease that God has to keep cutting out? Um, well, Jesus, I think, makes this clear to us when he's speaking to his disciples. He's about to leave. He's about to go to the, to the, um, to the cross He's about to die, and then he's about to ascend to his father. And so he says this to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my father is the master gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So he's going to cut out the diseased branches. While every branch that does bear fruit, he will prune so that it will bear even more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, abide in me as I abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear a lot of fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <clears throat> what, we, what, what Jesus is saying to us this morning is this. If you want to bear fruit, the same fruit that Jesus is bearing, abide in him. Spend time with him. Study him, enjoy him, love him, give everything to him. The Lord, the master gardener, is clearing the thickets. He's clearing out the branches that are not bearing fruit. And only those who abide in Jesus and are pruned by the master gardener will bear fruit. Only Jesus can make us bear fruit. Only Jesus can make us clean. And it's only the master gardener who can prune with such care the unfruitful parts of our lives so that we can bear even more fruit. And if you, Ironworks Church, abide in Jesus, you will bear fruit. If you abide in Jesus, you will reign with Jesus. If you abide in Jesus, you will be a priest that offers beautiful, beautiful sacrifices to the Lord, and you will bear much fruit. Kids, for your fourth doodle prompt, I want you to draw your Christmas tree decorated and it's the most beautiful Christmas tree you have ever seen. It is so beautiful and so glorious. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants us to be beautiful trees that bear incredible, delectable, delicious fruit. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are the master gardener that you know exactly what your garden needs. And so you know that, that sometimes things just need to be cleared out. And God, we thank you for this. We don't want disease in our own hearts. And we thank you that you are that master gardener who can prune it out of our lives. You can cut it out. And we just take this moment right now to ask you, will you please prune out the disease of pride and arrogance from our hearts? Will you please prune out the, any area of disease in our hearts so that we can bear much fruit? Will you, by your spirit, help us to abide in Jesus so that we can bear much fruit? Help us to love him. Help us to be excited about him. 
Help us to cling to him as our only hope and our only savior so that we can bear fruit. God, please be at work in us and through us so that your fruit will, bear, will be shown to the entire world, that your fruit would, would, uh, would grow forth across the entire world, including us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.